0: Hi guys, welcome to Hold Up Let's Talk. I'm Abby, and with me today I've got Peela. Peela is an African youth support and women support worker for the Mental Health Foundation Australia. Welcome Peela.
1: Hi Abby. Thank you for having me today um, for today's podcast. Today's podcast is about superannuation and strain. Superannuation or super is something that all working Australians with a tax file number have. It's an extremely important part of our future planning and to discuss superannuation and the strain we can bring to people. We have Harie Luca. Harie is a principal lawyer and state litigation leader for Victoria, practicing in superannuation and insurance litigation, solely in superannuation and insurance since 2012. She is also one of our multicultural ambassadors for the Mental Health Foundation Australia, Welcome, Harieh.
2: Thank you so
0: much for having me. It's great to have you here with us today. We're really looking forward to your expertise. Um, So I brought another meme to the table this week. Uh, So if you guys head to our Instagram page, you'll see it up there. But it basically says, did some financial planning, looks like I can retire at 62 and live comfortably for 11 minutes. Now, this is a massive fear I sometimes (laughs) have. I kind of go, oh my God, I I don't have too much in my super account and I've only got 30 years to add to it. Like, what's going to happen when I hit retirement? And, you know, I guess there's a little bit of talk now as to whether or not Australia will have an aged care pension in another 30 years when... You know, I'm ready to retire. So any thoughts about that?
2: Yeah, it's a great topic to be talking about, particularly now. Um, And I think that superannuation is a fantastic way for Australians to have money put away for them in advance of their retirement one day and have that nest egg ready for them to comfortably retire on. And I think that um, most Australians will welcome an increase into the mandatory super contributions that employers mm. are required to make. Uh, So I think that it's an important discussion for us to continue to have and I think that so many Australians could already talk to the benefits of this amazing scheme um, that was incepted, you know, 30 plus years ago uh, for the benefit of Australians and also for the benefit of the country so that we've got more people living self-sufficiently and planning ahead for their retirement so that they can actually live within their means.
0: Yeah, really important. But like whilst we're on that topic what do you think would be the best way to describe super or for any American listeners,
2: this would be your 401k? Well, super is just a a really great public policy, in my opinion. Firstly, you've got the accumulation account, which is the the account that your employer contributes to on your behalf um, with these mandatory uh, contributions that they have to make for you. So at the moment, Your employer has to pay 9.5% and we hope that it will be legislated that that will increase to to 12, 12 12.5% in due course. Um, And and that, as I say, will accumulate over time. The fund will invest that money on your behalf into various um, types of investments uh, and hopefully that that will grow and you'll have a really um, fantastic retirement or nest egg to retire on when when you reach retirement age. The other reason I think that um, Super in Australia in particular is a fantastic public policy is because automatically uh, you get insurance a lot of the time, particularly if you're, um, your employer is contributing to a MySuper fund. So um, a MySuper compliant Super fund means that you will get automatic cover for death and total and permanent disability um, when your employer makes these contributions to your accumulation account. So it's a really cheap um, and efficient way to fund an insurance policy whilst your employer is contributing to your your retirement um, NISTIG as well. And I think most people wouldn't have the wherewithal or the financial means to go out and insure themselves. Um, They wouldn't know, you know, which policy to to go with. Um, They wouldn't really know where to start in even considering those options. So the fact that this happens in the background automatically buy your super fund um, is a really amazing um, way to catch people in the event that they become disabled for work prematurely. And often that happens unexpectedly due to illness or injury. And that's really the the central um, issue that I deal with in my work every day. Yeah. And I guess that's really important because
0: it's not just money for the future. It's also protecting yourself and your family
2: if something untoward was to happen as well. Exactly. Absolutely. And I think that a lot of people plan for um, the. Um, a lot of people plan for their projected retirement age and hope to work till sixty-five or beyond that. Um, but in my line of work, I see so many people that are unexpectedly um, taken out of the workforce because of, you know, sometimes um, degenerative medical conditions that they've known about for a long time, or it could be a traumatic accident that happens that they just didn't Mm -hmm. see coming. There's so many life events that can affect your projected retirement age. And I think it's important to plan for that as well as, um, you know, planning for a normal retirement as well. Mm, Really important.
1: I mean, there's much talk on someone that works for someone and employers and employees. But in Australia, if you work for someone, they usually have to pay 9.5 of their salary into super. However, if you have your own business, you don't actually have to pay yourself super. Do you mind telling us about people who own their own businesses and the issues that they might face with in any way not being forced to plan for their retirement?
2: Yeah, that's a really great question and I think um, the point that you're getting to is the sort of people who, who are thinking for the now, thinking for the right now, for the not wanting to sacrifice um, a portion of their salary to put away into super for their future. And I think that the intention is that they'll have more money in their pocket to, to invest um, elsewhere. Um, but, of course, we know that sometimes people just don't do that and then they get to retirement age and they don't have an SDEC to rely on. So I have seen a lot of people in that situation. Where um, people kind of come to me more is where they have um, failed to make contributions or missed contributions. Um, They might sort of have set up a company and that company pays them a wage. And as part of that, they also get contributions directed to a super fund and they get automatic insurance cover because of that as well. So one of the disadvantages to not putting away money into a Superfund on your own behalf if you're self employed isn't just about the retirement nest egg, but it's also about the automatic cover that you can get as well. So if you're not putting the money away, then you're not going to be getting the automatic cover either. And I've seen circumstances where people have missed contributions or they've just stopped paying them and then they've become disabled for work and then they haven't had that insurance to claim on. Mm. That's another um, reason why I think it's super important for people to think about these things when they are running businesses as well.
0: Yeah. And I think it's something like one in five businesses fail within the first five years, and it's like 65 within the first 10 years or something. So it's hard to have a business and not know, hope, like everyone wants to succeed. And I guess that's everyone's hope, but it's always worthwhile planning those things in the background as well to know
2: that you're keeping yourself and your family safe. Exactly. And as you say, um, you don't know what will happen with that particular business. So if they have sacrificed some of their salary in the years that the business was doing okay, um, then at least, you know, that money is protected and it's locked away and is growing and is being invested for their future. So that's a really good thing. Yeah.
0: So I know personally, I once had an employer that didn't pay my super in the right way for me. I remember getting a, a letter from the tax office saying that you've had 45 cents contributed towards your super and I was like I know I've been working for much more than that and it was a massive ordeal to be paid out what I was owed and I was really young at the time and I didn't know what I really needed to do and I also didn't really realize how big a deal super was and that tiny little bit of money compounds over time and it's really important in the long run like you mentioned. So, do you have any advice for someone who might have found themselves in a similar situation like that and they're not
2: being paid what they're owed? Uh, This is an all too common issue that I see. And I think that the first thing is to just be vigilant firstly about um, making sure that your employee is actually making the contributions on your behalf. I think one thing is that we make assumptions that our employers are doing the right thing um, and... Uh, the difficulty or the danger with that, sometimes particularly with smaller businesses where perhaps their processes and administration um, systems are not sophisticated and they, they're not regimented in the way that they go about making contributions on behalf of employees. Um, I think you can have circumstances where um, contributions get missed or don't get paid um, at all, and then you have the ordeal of actually chasing them up. You can go through the ATO, um, that could be a bit of a laborious process, and there's probably mixed outcomes in terms of whether people were able to recover those contributions. I think the best thing you can do is to have a um, an open dialogue with your employer and to check things like your pay slips um, to make sure that contributions are actually being made if you're really suspicious about whether they are being made you could make contact with the fund that you're you've nominated or if you haven't nominated a fund your employer probably has a or should have a default fund Um, you can contact them and and ask you know have has my employer been making contributions on my behalf Um, the other extension of that Uh, that I see um, is where employers don't make the contributions on time, so they might make them late or they might not make the contributions within, um, say, the first six months of employment commencing. And that can cause all sorts of issues with insurance policies because, you know, the hidden kind of terms and conditions in these policies, which most consumers, most everyday people wouldn't ever know about, um, means that if, you know, a lot of the time if employers don't make contributions, contributions within a certain time frame, you get put into a very difficult category of insurance, um, which means that maybe you won't be able to claim for pre-existing medical conditions, um, or perhaps you might be assessed under the harshest definition of total and disability. And permanent disability, um, and that's a pretty disadvantageous position to be in, um, simply because your employer didn't do the right thing. So um, I think, as a, as an employee, part of me, as an employee, um, the best thing you can do is firstly be vigil- vigilant and um, take a look out, um, having regard to your pay slips, check with your super fund, um, and if in doubt, speak to your employer to make sure that they rectify the situation. Um, I think that's particularly important to occur before you ever become disabled and and stop work and then discover that these issues have occurred because those are the people that I see um, and often they miss out on insurance because of these things that have gone wrong with the employer.
1: Mm-hmm. I don't know about you guys but I feel like um, I'd be so distressed and I'd feel a lot of anxiety having to go through life issues, health issues and find out that a mere slip in your superannuation, is is, is there something wrong?
2: Absolutely. And I think that that's really the most disappointing thing is that, you know, when everything's going along okay and everybody's paying on time, um, you know, you could have a fairly straightforward insurance claim in the event that you had to bank one. But um, in some unfortunate circumstances, and sometimes it's quite innocent um, and it could be a mistake or an administrative error, There are consequences that flow from that that can adversely impact someone. And as you say, when you're already down, you're already potentially um, impacted by illness, you're already probably out of work. That's the the last thing that you need. And I often see people um, quite stressed uh, and it can affect them mentally on top of what they're already going through. Um, So for me, I think the best advice that I could give would be just to be vigilant and proactive about ensuring that um, you you are receiving those entitlements. And, of course, you're not receiving these into your bank account. It's going into an accumulation account with your super fund that you don't see. Um, And a lot of people don't read their benefit statements. Uh, So I think just developing a habit of being aware of what's going on um, between your employer and your super fund is a really important thing. Mm -hmm. And I guess it's easy now. A lot of the super funds have their apps and things like that. So
0: you can go on and check their PDSs and you can check if you've been getting uh, benefits paid to you as well. So something that might be worth for everyone to go and try to do that after listening to this today. Absolutely.
2: That's a great piece of advice.
1: I mean, we're all women here and there's already a lot of acknowledgement about gender pay gap in Australia. But something that isn't often spoken about is super gap. Because women often take time out of work to help raise a family, they miss out on their payments. Australian um, superannuation peak bodies show that by the time women approach retirement, their median super balance between the ages of 55 and 64 is 35% less than that of men. So to put that into numbers, in that age group, women have an average of 118,600 in super, opposed to 183,000 for men. Now, that's a huge difference, especially if that woman doesn't have someone to help share her retirement expenses. How have you seen this affect older women and their ability to save themselves?
2: I think this is a really important um, thing to be talking about, Uh, And, and certainly, um, you know, one thing that we really need to be mindful of is the fact that women do probably absorb the lion's share of the work when it comes to raising a family, um, and that does take them out of the workforce. And so, Every time that occurs, there's um, a a gap in their employment, there's a gap in their super contributions. It's harder for them to re-enter the workforce. And where I see this really impact women is that they tend to enter the workforce in casual employment the most. Mm -hmm. So we we know that the casualisation of the workforce um, disproportionately impacts women. Uh, Women make up a much larger proportion of that workforce than men. And that's because of... Um, the role that women tend to play um, having regard to to raising a family, for example, um, and the flexibility that casual work provides them. But the problem is that obviously um, often people um, will will miss out on contributions or if they receive them, um, they're not going to be as steady as as if they were in permanent employment. Um, and where I see the biggest problem with casualization um, in the work that I do, it's not so much in regards to, uh, you know, the sort of savings component or, um, you know, the retirement nest egg that people rely on when they, when they get to that stage in their lives. It's more to do with people that are unexpectedly Um, out of the workforce due to illness or injury. Mm -hmm. And where that happens to women in particular who are casually employed, what we are seeing uh, a lot are that super funds apply a very difficult test of TPD to people in casual employment. Um, And that's different to people that are in permanent employment who get assessed under a much easier test of total and permanent disability. So this this is not the case for every single super fund, but there are some Super funds that do this and disadvantage casual employees in particular, and that's a that's a real problem. Um, it means that you could have you know a um, the same injury as a person who is permanently disabled, um, sorry, a, a permanently employed, um, and you could have um, worked for you know the same type of job, but because of the basis of your employment being casual rather than permanent. Uh, the insurer will assess you under this very, very difficult test that you will, most people will never meet and therefore you don't get the insurance benefit, um, whereas a person who, who is permanently employed will get the benefit. So I think in my line of work, um, that's where I see casual employment um, and, in particular, women um, being impacted greatly um, I don't know if that answers your question directly, uh, but I, I do see that this is a real issue um, in particular for women and, and as I say, um, something that we need to address going forward. And also,
0: correct me if I'm wrong, but it's true. is it true that if you're getting a divorce, your superannuation isn't automatically a part of that settlement?
2: Like, it doesn't really be, get taken into consideration uh, as assets? um that's a tricky question and i think i would reserve any advice giving on that um particular um, and defer to a family lawyer um it can often uh come down to the date that you become entitled to a benefit um Mm -hmm. so if you access your super um your account balance and or an insurance benefit plus your account balance Often the timing of that could impact whether or not it gets divided um, in accordance with a family law settlement, for example. Uh, But again, I would probably err on giving any advice in that regard because it can be quite specific to the circumstances. Fair enough. Whilst we're
0: touching on that topic of withdrawing money from super, during COVID, a lot of Australians were told that they could withdraw money from their super account. And whether this be to help them with expenses day-to-day and handle that really difficult financial time for a lot of people. With this being something that obviously helped a lot of people, do you think it's going to have some
2: negative impacts down the track? Absolutely because we know that um, hundreds of thousands of people did this during COVID uh, and again, thinking about the now, as as they you know they should have at that time, it was a very stressful point in time. People are still struggling who haven't been able to re-enter the workforce, um, and many businesses collapsed during that time as well. So, you know, you don't you can't blame people for accessing money that was available to them during a very um, significant time of need. The problem will be that um, that money is something that would have been invested for their future, would have grown over time, um, and that they would have been able to see the benefits from, um, you know, as they reach retirement age. So I think that that's going to be a problem that we're going to deal with in years to come, and the fallout of that will only be obvious as people reach those critical junctures in their lives. Um, So I think it's probably hard to sort of hypothesise exactly what what the negative effects will be except to say that you can only expect that people are going to have a lot less to retire on um, because that money is not being invested in the way that it would have if it had remained in super. Mm. Um, The biggest consequence that I will encounter and I will be dealing with in my work every day is people that have drained their super accounts during that time and lost lost that automatic insurance that I was talking about earlier. So a lot of people don't realise that a, they've even got insurance attached to their super account, um, and B, that if they drain their account completely or leave insufficient amount in their account balance to fund the insurance premiums, they lose that automatic death and TPD cover that I've been talking about, that death and total and permanent disability cover. Um, and so that to me is a real concern because people are not going to be replacing that cover with another insurance policy that they're purchasing. So, you know, down the track if they re-enter the workforce or something was was to happen to them, um, they will be out of of, uh, cover for for any kind of a claim. So I do worry about the impacts of that um, and that people who did completely drain their accounts may not have been fully aware of that before they made that decision.
1: Harie, earlier on you spoke about insurance and a lot of people aren't aware of the fact that they've got pre-built insurance into their super and this goes away when your account hits zero what advice would you give someone who's juggling the aged care pension along with their super but still trying to make sure they've got their insurances in place
2: so if a person is on the aged care pension that's because they've hit age 60 um so it's likely that their insurance cover will run out. It's, you know, you know, either it has run out already by the time they've gone onto the pension, um, or it's likely to run out pretty soon. So really insurance benefits um, that are attached to super um, most useful to people who are unable to continue working um, before so, or sorry, sorry, are taken out of the workforce before the projected retirement age which is about 65 or 67 years old. Um, in some instances, it is still useful after you stop work for the death cover. So, you know, you might stop work and, and pass away and your family will then have um, the benefit of a death insurance benefit uh, that that they can access um, if they were dependent on you at the date that you passed away. So I think that... Um, you know, it's probably not going to be as relevant to people on an aged care pension um, because their employment employer's contributions will have stopped going into their super account anyway. And at some point, their cover will end after their employment um, ends and their employer contributions stop going into their account. Um, But there are some circumstances where there might be, you know, a short period of time where a person will retain cover um, alongside their super. And beyond the aged care pension, um, but I'd say that that would be probably in a, a small minority of cases. Um, yeah, th- yeah, I think that's probably the best way to answer that one.
0: Easy. So, not. I mean, I guess in that way, not everyone who has a superannuation will get the aged care pension. Some people might have outside assets and things like that that help them sustain their lifestyle so they might not need the pension but they will have access to their super do those insurance benefits continue if they're doing that and not
2: accessing the aged care pension um it's not so much about the assets test it's more about um you know retaining insurance cover attached to your super is most useful when you're unable to work due to an illness or injury okay so if you're receiving centrelink benefits it's you know, the people that I represent mostly receive the New Start allowance or uh, the disability support pension. Um, by the time a person is on an aged care pension, they've already reached retirement age, in which case most of their insurance cover will have ended anyway. Okay. Um, generally, your insurance cover will end when you reach retirement age, which is about 67 sorry, 65 in most insurance policies. Um, in some cases, it's 60 seven in other policies your cover might end when you're when you're 60 years old it just depends on the insurance Mm -hmm. policy so we don't tend to have a lot of people that will be juggling both the aged care pension um, and you know insurance within their super or trying to retain insurance within super Um, but there are other um, intersections between Centrelink Benefits and super and I think The the biggest one is, or the the most prominent one, I'd say, is is where a person's receiving um, Centrelink for disability support pension, for example. Um, Those are the sorts of people that will be seeking to potentially access their super early uh, and or making an insurance claim because, you know, they've become disabled before Mm -hmm. their projected retirement age.
0: Really interesting. thanks so much, Heidi for your time today. I'm sure everyone listening has had a little bit more light shined upon how important superannuation is and also learning maybe for a lot of people that your total and permanent disability and life insurance cl- uh, is also within your super as well. So
2: thank you so much for that. My pleasure. It was um a really great chat with all of you, and I'm always. Um, intrigued by and really amazed by all the work that you do and the support you provide to people um, coming to the Mental Health Foundation for information and resources. So always willing to chat and share whatever information I can that's useful to your, um, the people that access you for support. Um, and if people want to reach out for questions or um, tailored advice, then certainly more than happy for you to send them our way as well. Easy. And for anyone out there,
0: if you do need advice on superannuation or your insurances, make sure you get in contact with a lawyer or also a financial advisor who might be able to help you with insurances outside of your super as well. Thanks again, Heidi. Thanks, Pilar. Thank you. Before we head off, we'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the lands on which we work. We pay our respects to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander elders, past, present, and emerging and celebrate their cultural contribution to society. Hold Up, Let's Talk is intended to be a general conversation podcast for all things in the mental health space. If you found our topic of discussion today to have been triggering for you and you'd like to discuss it, please give us a call on 1300 643 287. If you're not comfortable talking on the phone, you can always send us an email at admin at mhfa.org.au. Alternatively, you can also call Lifeline on 13 11 14. For more information on what Mental Health Foundation Australia is doing, head to our website at mhfa.org.au or follow us on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook. Until next time, let's keep talking.